What's going on, podcasting world? Welcome back to episode 76, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. 76, getting there. We are getting there. Yes. Cole, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Feeling rejuvenated, revitalized. Just had a vacation. Just had a vacation, yes, which Mike is completely opposed to vacations. We all know. That is not true. But uh, I did, I, I burned like an extra thousand calories a day on this vacation. Did you? You guys hiked a lot? We did. It was like 102 degrees every single day. Oof. Yeah. Utah and Arizona. It's fun. It's definitely recommended. The, if anybody uh, is interested in that sort of thing. That's like one or two, but you don't have that same humidity, right? So it's like not no. like unbearably hot. So for those who aren't in Charleston, the, the oh, yeah. humidity here is usually about 80%. Charleston, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, that kind of thing. Um, in Arizona, it was 8%. Like, dude, that's you, so you, much better. You don't sweat; it just wicks right off your skin. Now we're talking. Yeah, here you literally feel like you're on the surface of the sun. Yes. So I liked it a lot better. My wife, not so much. That's just the blistering hot. She didn't like it so much. I just loved not feeling sticky and yeah. like I was swimming through soup every day. <laughs> that's what it feels like here. <laughs> and then spider webs and love bugs. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what love bugs are, look that up and. Figure out a way to exterminate all of them. They're all over my car. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're in very, the pharmacy today, actually. They're very strange. Yeah. Anyways. So, today... Speaking of... Um, well, never mind. I was going to say, what, <laughs> what, how are we going to transition <laughs> that? Speaking of idiosyncrasies, that's what I was going to say. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, we are talking about OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, today. Um, we're going to do one of our famous brief overviews. <laughs> or infamous, don't <laughs> or, know. Yeah, that's true. Um, this kind of came up because I know, like, it, it, my clinic, I've actually been uh, working with our psychiatrist a little bit for um, coming up with some pharmacotherapy plans for a few of his patients. And uh, so we actually saw a patient that uh, had OCD. It was one of my first times um, actually being in the appointment with the patient and like, hearing, you know, her story and the things that she's been struggling with. And it was pretty fascinating and uh, fascinating from a medical standpoint, but obviously felt really bad for the lady. She was super nice. And, uh, but it was just interesting to hear like some of the things she goes through, like on a day-to-day basis. So and when we were trying to come up with a topic, I felt like this would be a good straightforward one. And most of these drugs you'll probably be familiar with, but, um, just kind of the way we can, uh, start therapy and then also we'll go through some of the augmentation um, strategies and give you some literature to look up for your own further evaluation fortunately it's pretty easy and um, in a lot of ways it mimics certain um, other psychiatric disorders like depression Uh, and it's so it's not it's not super complicated there but it is a very interesting disease state as most people know um, and people will colloquially use ocd and say oh you know you're ocd or i'm ocd because i'm doing this or that um it, I always thought of it as being very rare. Turns out it's actually more common than we think. Um, a, this epidemiological uh, catchment area study from a couple years ago found a lifetime prevalence of 2.5%. I believe this is worldwide. Um, so that's a fair amount of people who are, could be diagnosed with uh, OCD per the DSM-5. Uh, and essentially, so what it is, it's um, obsessive thoughts, uh, and or repetitive, compulsive, physical or mental acts that tend to be distressing or intrusive, uh, and they're characterized by lots of things that we're probably uh, we're probably familiar with some from things we've seen on TV, um, but there are other uh, little issues that we might not always realize that can come about. Yes. Um, also, 
OCD is usually um, a comorbid condition for other psychiatric um, issues as well. Right. So it's going to be more common in patients that have like schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disorder, even eating disorders, things like that. Um, that will also be uh, in conjunction with OCD typically, at least more prevalent than in someone that doesn't have any other condition. Right. And so it's it's characterized by two different things, of course, obsessions and compulsions. Um, common obsessions uh, could be contamination or thinking something's contaminated, um, being obsessed with safety, doubting one's memory or perception, um, scrupulosity, which um, if that wasn't associated with a debilitating disease state would be like great name for 90s band or something. Um, so scrupulosity, needing to do the right thing, fear of committing a transgression. Often this is a religious activity. Um, a need for order or symmetry is probably what people are most familiar with. Also unwanted, intrusive, sexual, aggressive thoughts. Uh, compulsions would be like cleaning or washing. So I've, I've seen where people um, just essentially had to constantly wash their hands and for the most part couldn't leave their house. Um, checking things, uh, seen this commonly with like checking your locks before you go to bed. So locks is one, uh, stove, whether it's on or off the iron safety of your children, uh, counting or repeating actions, um, a certain number of times until it just feels right to the patient, arranging objects in a certain way, hoarding. So I think we've all seen the TLC show hoarders. Mm-hmm. I don't really like TLC for the most part, actually. Um, yeah. No, I don't. Oh, uh, I, was, yeah. I thought you said I really like TLC. No, I don't like, really. Well, like... That surprises me. <laughs> yeah, does that surprise you? Uh, like... No, I don't really like TLC. That's but good. some people do. It's, some, you know. We're about uh, to cancel the entire podcast. Right? <laughs> it's over. We are no well, longer friends. We tried. <laughs> That's it. Uh, list making, confessing, um, or touching or tapping objects. All, most of these I've, I've seen before, but some of them you don't really expect. And I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is... Um, like like with the obsession part of it, the the persistent thoughts or the seeing like certain images or having these certain um, urges, you know, the a lot of times they're they're negative things. Like like the yeah. persistent thoughts are usually like you said, like about contamination or something like that. The images are usually like violent or something like that, um, um, or some sort of a scene that's graphic that bo- is bothersome. Urges, you know, could be potentially violent as well. Like, in in order to kind of get rid of um, that obsession, that, that thought, because it's not seen as something that's like a voluntary scene. Like it's it's obviously an involuntary thing they want to avoid. Um, they're intrusive and unwanted. So you they do something in order to kind of suppress that. And then mm-hmm. a lot of times that's where the compulsion, like performing right. a compulsion will come from. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. This is, same with like, Tourette's and and I I don't know enough like about Tourette's syndrome to know if this is 100% accurate but um you hear I've heard even heard like comedians joking about like you never hear about like nice cases of Tourette's where someone just yells out random compliments for no reason they can't help it it's, and it's interesting that it's always a negative um or like angry type thing that comes out from these um type of uh compulsive or obsessive type um situation disorders like this right and it's it's interesting to me again I wish I knew more about the true like pathophysiology going on of why that's the case i'm right. sure there's some psych people that could really give us some in-depth information but it's no, interesting. i mean for sure and i guess you know just like you said it's comorbid with a lot of disorders for instance anxiety disorders or mood disorders and so we've all had anxiety moments of anxiety we've all been stressed about something and you tend to really focus on it and i guess what ends up happening is just like you said you become obsessed with something and because it causes anxiety or it's distressing um 
then that's why you obsess about it. And then you have a compulsion to try to suppress it, just like you said. So I, you know, I guess we could become obsessed with really good things, but you know, for the most part, we tend to sadly focus on things that cause anxiety or stress or are painful. Yeah. Just that's what we focus on. And I just find myself being obsessed with helping people, paint, <laughs> painting churches, things like You're that. Right. All the good stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just extremely giving. Mike is uh, <laughs> OCD for helping you. Yeah. That's what he is. I don't know about that. No. Uh, but yeah, some other disorders that it can become morbid with tick disorders. Mm-hmm. So I suppose Tourette's could be a, a, some type of tick disorder. Maybe not so much. I don't know if they're classified the same, but they may be. I don't know. Right. A lot of times, I think a lot of times Tourette's actually has to have like the the verbal and yeah. then also like a physical tick or something. I think it has to have two of the three. Did we do one on that? I don't think so. Oh, we should. We should, so we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Anyways, just making it up. We'll come back to that. Uh, suicidal, suicidality, um, ADHD, impulse control disorders, eating disorders, uh, other things like that. Um, so the the patient that I saw uh, particularly, hers was more of, uh, her compulsion was more of a symmetry thing. So hers was counting. Um, she had a, uh, just a compulsion all the time to count um, things. And it could be either... Um, like randomly just from one to 15, one to 20, like in her head, or she, if she was in a, something that had, uh, something in particular to count, like, in, like for instance, the room that we were in the exam room, uh, the tile floors, she said, like when we, she was waiting for us to walk in, she was just counting the tile floors over and over again, like the squares on the tile, um, that she could see. Mm. And then she would get to 15 and she'd start over again at the beginning. And, uh, she, she, she said it, you know, it's something that just keeps her you know, awake at night because when it's quiet and she just constantly counts 1 to 15, 1 to 20 over and over and over again, super mm. fast. It, she had, I mean, sort of a sense of humor about it, which was, you know, interesting. I mean, kind of nice to hear from, you know, because it felt horrible for this lady. She's dealing with all this and she's she made a joke of um, maybe this is uh, her sign that she needs to be an auctioneer because she can mm. count to the 20 so quickly in her head. And, um, but it keeps her, I mean, awake. She has, she has a lot of problems with, um, insomnia and, mm. and, and it causes anxiety and things like that as well, obviously, because she's, uh, anxious about the situation and wants it to go away. But, um, we'll get into the treatments and stuff too, but let's, I guess, talk real quick about, um, some of the pathogenesis behind it, if sure. you will. Um, so definitely, uh, there's some genetic factors, um, Potentially, so they've done, uh, you know, twin studies, family studies, and there's definitely a suggestion there that there's definitely a genetic contribution. Um, There's also probably um, some environmental factors as well. And there's even some situations like in uh, pediatric onset um, where they, and this is... This is kind of a debatable subject, so I don't want to say this and have something that's like people be like, "You idiot!" <laughs> don't bring. It. So this is something that's it's not very. There's a lot of debate on both sides in the literature, but one of the things, and, and I remember this reading this. This is random, but I remember reading this um, like stat, if you will, in uh, RX Prep when I was studying mm-hmm. the NAPLEX like way back, um, all those many years ago. <laughs> Just so long ago. And because uh, it said that um, uh, stre- uh, group A strep streptococcal infection um, has been associated uh, with either the onset or exacerbation of OCD in children. And uh, so the, the, the term of it is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated mm. with streptococcal infections or PANDAS for short. PANDAS. That's yes. cute at least. I have totally heard of that actually now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Made me RX prep. But I didn't need to use that one. Never mind. <laughs> so um, 
that uh, apparently is something that um, it is like the whole concept of it is kind of debated in the literature. Um, and there's other infections that potentially could also trigger uh, in like sort of a, a similar situation. Um, but that's one that I thought was interesting because um, up to date has a segment on it as well. So mm. um, Dynamite, I think, brings it up. Um, but yeah, so it could actually be some type of group A streptococcal infection that's actually triggering it to be from onset. So strange. Yeah. I wonder why, I mean, I wonder why that would be. And it doesn't seem like they have a great explanation. It doesn't because apparently some people think it's not even true. So huh. it, no, I've never it, had strep. Never? Yeah, but my wife used to get it every year. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Don't know what that means. You should try it. You should try it sometime? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Your throat hurts like crazy. <laughs> I'll just get a cotton swab next time she has it. Yeah, there you go. You know? Pot, toss it back. Easy Maybe you're immune to it. I, hey. And there's there only one way to find out. There is only one way to find out. I that's think that's the, the best infect way. Infect yourself with <laughs> group A strep. It's like a vaccine. Um, no, it, it's funny because when I was looking up pathos stuff, there wasn't much like actual patho stuff. It was it was behavioral stuff. It was like um, it's exaggerating a built-in behavioral potential that humans have, um, adaptive functions, that sort of thing. It didn't really have, though. You think there would be something about something about serotonin, especially with the treatments, right? So I guess it comes down to the anxiety portion and that that sort of mood or psychiatric portion that the SSRIs and stuff act on. That help improve symptoms, and I th- I think a lot of like you said that they've been it's more been like hy- hypothesis that it's you know serotonin signaling or um uh what I say serotonin serotonin signaling rather dopamine signaling something something like that I like serotonin um, it's like one less syllable it so is one less that's a good faster. point maybe we'll change it yeah. um but the actual studies that they do like the neuroimaging they they don't ever show like conclusive evidence from what I saw that, that proves that that's the case. But since the agents that we do work on it, there has to be right. some sort of, so uh, I guess since it works, yeah. they're like, well, it must have something to do right. with this. Um, and just to bring it home with obsessions and compulsions, I didn't want to mention this. Um, as far as diagnosis goes, just so you guys have kind of heard it, the DSM five criteria for both. Um, uh, so as far as obsessions goes, there's two, two factors. So they are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges or images that are experienced at some time, during the disturbance are intrusive and inappropriate, um, or they are seen as intrusive or inappropriate, and they cause marked anxiety or distress, kind of like we were mentioning. The person also attempts to suppress these or ignore these thoughts, impulses, or images, or neutralize them with another thought or action. So similar to what we've been talking about, but that's straight from the DSM-5. As far as compulsions, repetitive behaviors, just like we talked about, hand-washing, checking, ordering, or mental acts like praying, counting, performed in response to an obsession or according to rules that must be applied to rigidly. Uh, The behaviors are not a result of the direct physiologic effect of a substance, so it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, using meth or cocaine or alcohol or anything like that. Um, And they are mental acts aimed at preventing or reducing stress or distress, um, but they, um, these behaviors or mental acts either are not connected in any way that could be realistic. So that's that's important. So they should not be able to realistically neutralize or prevent whatever they're meant to address and they are clearly excessive. So some people, some people have some things that somebody might call OCD, but it's really just them. They might have some anxiety about it too, but it makes, it makes sense what they're doing. Like, Oh, I'm going to just really study this, this portion because I'm really paranoid. I'm not going to remember it or something like that. If it's a means to a reasonable end, then it doesn't qualify for a compulsion. It has to be something that would not realistically neutralize or prevent whatever it's meant to address and it has to be excessive i think that's an important point to make isn't it funny how we take like in just like general like population we just take 
psych disorders, and we just kind of put our own version of what that actually is. Yeah. So and throw it, it on people. It, yeah. Well, not only that, but like, because people will say something like, "Oh, I have to put the uh, the dishes away before I go to bed because I'm OCD." Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that or you just like to have a clean kitchen. <laughs> like that's exactly <laughs> like way to downplay what people with actual disorders have to deal with. Now, to 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 try to defend them, I would say that okay. they they think what they're saying is it would cause my anxiety to wake up in the morning uh-huh. and have to leave this when I go to work. But that's reasonable. It yeah. does, that's a reasonable like, oh, this is extra. You know, it's not it's not unrealistic or excessive. So that's why it's not OCD. So they are incorrect. But that's probably where their mind's going. And then we'll throw another example oh, just to okay. just yeah. further thicken the plot. Mm-hmm. My favorite one of all time is when you see someone like who's in front of us like at the grocery store or something, and like they're just flipping out the cashiers or cause guy because he didn't take the coupon. You're like. Phew guys like bipolar or something right yeah it's like is that how that works is that how that works you just diagnose okay psychiatrist wow Thank are you. you a licensed psychiatrist appreciate that it's like yeah that's what happens Here's when you're your bipolar diploma. you're just happy one second and you're mad the next and you're back to happy three <laughs> seconds later that's exactly what bipolar happens. disorder <laughs> it's like oh boy that's not what that oh that guy's just got a short fuse apparently right. straight from the dsm uh anyways talk about um some treatment options let's talk about some treatment options so, um, our old friends, the SSRIs, mm-hmm. are uh, usually first-line um, agents that we use in OCD patients. Um, the one that, I, th- I want to say it was first um, approved, maybe not first approved, but definitely has like the um, indication, it may even be the only indication of this drug is fluvoxamine. Mm-hmm. So, that was, yeah, that when I think of flu- fluvox, I think that's the only thing it's used for is OCD. And um, it has immediate and extended release versions of it now. Um, but uh, they also use other SSRIs that we are more familiar with, like fluoxetine, sertraline, uh, peroxetine, citalopram, and escitalopram uh, are also used. And you know, we'll talk about some of the studies and things like that. But mo- most of the studies that are out there show that there's not like an individual SSRI that's more efficacious uh, than others. Um, and then um, all of them have been approved for OCD except for the citalopram and escitalopram at least as of now, to my knowledge. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if those are actually being a, tried to be approved for that, but I can't imagine I since can they're off generic, that they're, or since they're both generic, that they're trying to get that indication. And just for um, completeness sake, so fluvoxamine, the only FDA indication it has is OCD, though it does have off-label, it, it's used off-label for bulimia, depression, panic disorder, PTSD, social anxiety disorder, and there's studies to cite the um, the dosing for that. So, I guess whenever I see it, I always assume that it's OC. But now that I think about it, I definitely had a patient I dispensed it to who he was using it for depression. Um, so yeah, I just it's just nowhere on the like first line treatment charts. That's why you never never think about that. Yeah, I don't. I I could. I can't really think of any reason why you'd want to use that one over sertraline or fluoxetine or something in regular general depression. I don't really see why. Yeah, but no. I, um, I think it's more expensive than the other two. So citalopram does have, an, is off, used off-label, so it's not FDA-approved, yeah. but used off-label for OCD, and it has studies and dosing and all that stuff. Um, the other two you know, mainly used classes would be um, one of the tricyclic antidepressants, mm-hmm. so clomipramine, mm-hmm. that really you don't see that drug too often. In fact, the only time I really even think about that drug other than OCD would be um, when I'm worried about being it being confused for uh, Clomid. Yeah, I was going to say, know. it's not Clomid. I just, right when you said that, I thought about that. Because that uh, I remember when I used to work uh, in retail, that, that was one of the flags that would come up. If you ever had Clomid, it would mm-hmm. say, are you sure it's not Clomid for me? <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm sure. I did have a prescription for um, anaphronil last week, and I had no idea what it was, so I had to look it up. Um, Old brand name. Yes. I, I wonder if you can even get the brand name anymore. Probably not. Doubtful, no. Yeah. But he wrote anaphronil, and I said, what is that? So, um, in fact, I, and I'll get to this, but I had mentioned uh, to our psychiatrist adding uh, glimipramine. And he and and basically, I showed him the studies and stuff I had looked up and all that, and um, he uh, he was in agreement. And he said, "All right, um, <laughs> for nil it is." And I was like, "No, no, that's not what I said." <laughs> <laughs> and he he's a much older guy because he 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 uh, was still using the. He's like, "Man, I haven't heard that drug name in a while. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it. Yeah, I've never heard it. <laughs> only never heard seen the, it. Written. Only heard the generic." And it was one of the it was one of those guys with um you know real scribbly handwriting. So uh-huh. I'm just looking at like a oh, na- no. a nay no. yeah. It was not the easy. The worst. It was the worst. But it's still remember it's a TCA and they do have generally more significant side effects mm-hmm. than SSRIs, so be aware of that. And as far as the SSRIs go, Paxil tends to have the most of those. So also be aware of that. And the most drug drug interactions. Definitely the most drug drug Definitely interactions. Definitely has a lot of 2D6 things we got to think about. Correct. Fluoxetine does too, but paroxetine Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that sexual dysfunction. Yes. <laughs> Can't forget about that. That's a good point. I'm always going to mention that. The uh, the other regular class that we do use as well as SNRIs, but specifically venlafaxine, is the one that has yes. all the data with it. So serotonin, norepinephrine, reuptake. Um, the, the comparative studies that they have done with these, they seem to be pretty similar. Um, there, there are some uh, head-to-head comparisons where they've looked at clomipramine versus fluoxetine or versus fluvoxamine. Um, they haven't really shown one or the other to be like, superior. Um, some of the meta-analyses that are available kind of show that they work, but they don't compare them head-to-head, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, the SSRIs, like Cole said, usually... Um, have a little bit better side effect profile. Um, clomipramine, especially we uh, the anticholinergic side effects of tricyclics, we always think about dry mouth, constipation, things like that. Um, but it can also cause some uh, other issues as well. And um, SSRIs typically pretty well tolerated. And another um, TCA they will use off-label is cipramine. Yes. I don't really know why you would use that over clomipramine when it's FDA approved. I think... Um, Dysipramine um, has doesn't have nearly the same studies either uh, yeah, as, as right. significant studies as right. Um The other thing too that's interesting about the SSRIs and, and OCD specifically is the dosing. So fluoxetine, for instance, we we typically think of like forty milligrams, you know, a day, sometimes sixty. Um, but with OCD, we uh, as far as max dose, max dose, we we think forty to eighty milligrams. Um, fluvoxamine, 200 to 300, paroxetine up to 60, sertraline up to 200, which is the same as depression, um, citalopram up to 40, escitalopram actually up to 40 as well, um, and then clomipramine, uh, the tricyclic, 100 to 250 per day, and then venlafaxine up to 350 per day. Hmm. So pretty higher, higher doses than I've typically seen. And they the other thing is they've actually done studies um, at even higher doses. So the one that stuck out to me, and I actually have seen a patient on a similar dose to this, which made me feel better after I read this, but the study that I looked at um, was comparing um, 200 milligram sertraline where the patient was on 50 to 200. Um, and then they, they one group, they stopped at 200, mm-hmm. like, as if, like the max dose, just like with depression. And then the other group, they just kept going up and the average was up to 350. What? Um, 357, I think to be exact, milligrams per day. 
And after 12 weeks of treatment, the higher dose showed greater average improvement than the lower group. Um, the problem is, is clinically speaking, mm-hmm. it wasn't all that great. Increased so side effects. the definitely the um, the side effects would, you know, be a little bit higher. But in this particular study, they were pretty similar, even like statistically speaking. Um, but you would assume that the you have a higher chance of them is the longer. I mean, they only went 12 weeks, so the longer you were on that. Yeah, I mean, that is whopping. I mean, I even see here um, Prozac up to 120 a day. Yep. That's based on clinical evidence. Um, though, <laughs> however, adverse effects may increase. Well, thanks. Appreciate wait, that if you're wait, tripling the regular wait, max dose. Wait, what? <laughs> Are you serious? So, um, that, cause I, I remember seeing a prescription from a psych doc, uh, for a patient, they, they didn't have the diagnosis code on it, but it said, uh, um, I, it was, I think 300 milligrams. I remember thinking like, mm. that's, seems like a large dose. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but you know, that's definitely, uh, I'd be like, all right, let's talk about serotonin syndrome. Yeah. I, uh, I, that's a whole other separate subject of how, how prevalent that actually yeah. is. But, um, you know, the, the doses, I think we sometimes need to, a lot of times, especially in defense, um, dispensing pharmacists, like that's one of the good things about kind of looking at some of these other disease states that we don't see a whole lot mm-hmm. is it helps um, when we're seeing these weird doses, maybe do like do a little bit of research, like look up the ICD-10 right. code kind of thing on our own before we waste our time calling. Yeah. And I, I get the feeling, at least when I call and stuff like this, the doctors generally assume we're going to, like with my prednisone thousand milligrams yeah. once thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. I've uh, we've been getting calls um, asking about why we would think it would be appropriate to um, prescribe Simbacort mm. as needed. Yeah. It's like, huh, <laughs> funny you should ask. Funny you should ask. Uh, like, I'm psych a far- podcast episode. I- I'm a pharmacist, blah, blah. I'm like, That's cool. I'm actually also a pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, like, yeah, it's just the new guidelines. It's a new thing, bro. High five, man. Good to talk to you. Get on board. Um, we've been doing that a lot, actually. Doing the cool. PRN Simicor because yeah. since we have a 340B in-house pharmacy, they come out next year and they're gonna be like, "Stop it! Don't do it! It's terrible!" It is literally the worst thing it's you'd the ever worst do. Worst possible recommendation. Our patients have been doing a lot better on it, like because we, we had a whole slew of patients who were just getting Ventolin as if it was mm-hmm. like their favorite mm-hmm. like candy. Yeah, and uh, going through them like crazy, and we so we switched them over because a lot of times it was a cost, and once we got the Simicor so cheap, um, they switched them over and they've been doing better. I haven't used it nearly as much. I wonder, wonder if they're going to... I guess that we already talked about how that doesn't really make sense to do in you know, COPD, so I guess they won't yeah, really they won't. Making, yeah. And they've actually... You know, in COPD, the new... I don't know if you've read the new like 2019 goal guidelines that they updated. They've gotten even further away from doing ICS. Did we do... Did we do? Did we just do a COPD podcast? Did we? I don't know. Or I was it just after? I can't remember what we did the last episode. I know. What did we do last episode? I think the case, I think. But I can't remember. Uh, I think we had students here. By the we way, are, we are so I know. <laughs> so off topic, dude. I was on vacation. You can't you can't blame me. Uh, we're we're alone today. That's, yeah, that's fun. I have three students in rotation as well. Oh wow! This month, so yeah, they'll so be here slacking, with us this basically. week. No, I've given them lots of projects. Ah, gotcha. um, one of them actually just texted me at eight thirty something. He's working on something still. There you go. Good for him. Good. Um. So he no, they're uh they'll be on in the couple of weeks Near to future. come. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Anyways, so some other options that we didn't mention. Uh, obviously, we said this can be comorbid with other things like um, tick disorders and um, other psychiatric disorders. So sometimes they will use antipsychotics and try to kill two birds in that way. 
Um, sometimes they'll use them. Mike's going to talk more about augmentation stuff, but sometimes they'll use them as augmentation, uh, like Risperdal, Zyprexa, even Lithium and Haldol. They, um, these have all been used, though they're not FDA approved. Um, they'll, they'll be used for augmentation uh, with comorbid disorders. And there's there's also been a few um, suggestions as well, um, some small studies that have done, like, I mean, it's very limited data, but some of the things they've looked at for even monotherapy, they've looked at mirtazapine, which I can get my head around that one, um, but they've also looked at tramadol. Um, <laughs> I, I would think that would be a terrible idea to give it's someone tramadol like for a good idea at all. Um, but they have studied it, apparently, and just not gotten great results. And they've also looked at um, Adderall, deamphetamine. And uh, they all are kind of hmm. murky on whether or not that's all yeah, that effective. Yeah. Seems like it'd be so the opposite effect. They would need, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess it's the thought process of like if you have someone with ADHD and you give them a stimulant, it calms you down versus yeah, someone who's true just trying to have a great time taking it right, <laughs> <get> hyped. Yeah. <laughs> so, huh? Interesting. Um, but yeah, those Surprised are. Surprised they haven't tried trazodone. Using it for everything now. Yeah, that's true. Um, probably have actually. I'm, I'm sure that. they have, yeah, yeah. but we don't have that in front of us. So who knows? I'm sure they've, they've probably tried all kinds of crazy stuff for everything. Yeah. Um, the, uh, as far as augmentation goes, um, there, there's several different potential strategies and I'll kind of walk through some of those. Um, but the one that I thought was, was pretty interesting was, um, adding a low dose clomipramine, to the SSRI. Hmm. Um, so the studies that I looked at, and this is actually what we ended up doing for the patient because we knew that he, the psychiatrist told me this patient was coming in um, that had difficulty keeping on any of the meds and asked me uh, my opinion, you know, as the quote unquote pharmacotherapy specialist, which is adorable, <laughs> um, to uh, help him come up with a plan. And so I was like, in my normally uh, overconfidence, I was like, no problem. <laughs> So I spent my entire like 72 hours from Friday to Sunday night just doing nothing but researching uh, OCD You cases. had 72 hours on Friday? No, I said, I said, I said Friday through Sunday. Ah, okay, there you Please go. Please listen, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to do math. <laughs> so um, I just like did nothing but read all these old trials and stuff, and clomipramine kept coming up as an adjunct um, or augmentation rather to uh, SSRI. So the, the ones that I looked at early on, the fluvoxamine, um, they would add in the clomipramine at a very low dose. So normally we use 100 to 250 milligrams, but they would start off with like 25 milligrams mm. of the clomipramine and usually not go higher than 75. And when you added it in as an augment like that at a low dose, it ended up giving much better results. Um, and there was a whole bunch of studies that it, had looked at that and shown that that was effective. Um, and then there's also several other, uh, like Cole said, um, Risperidone and other antipsychotic meds that they've done. I'll kind of go through some of those. And then cognitive behavioral therapy, our, our, our friend yeah. that we always kind of like put mm-hmm. on the back burner. It's like cognitive behavioral therapy is like the um, diet and exercise of psych yes. disorders. Probably extremely important, if not the right. most important, is the thing that we're often like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to talk about my feelings. Right. <laughs> just want to think mad. Though CBT is more like... No, I know. I'm just yeah, kidding. Well, anyways. It's more like... like It's almost like a workbook that they were... Yeah. Anyways. We'll, no, it's... We'll it's, go into uh, that sometime. CBT is really interesting. I've seen... Um, I've seen, like, our... Uh, the counselor at, at our clinic has actually just took on the job, but she was phenomenal. Like, you'd hear, she was, was the one that did all of her CBT stuff. She was phenomenal. Like, Good. she would... Cool. Uh, 
go through these classes, these patients would come out hugging her and stuff like that. And I'm like, what the heck? I never get hugged. <laughs> I never get hugged. <laughs> Probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to hug because I don't want to want to get, uh, you know, wouldn't want to get sued or something. That's true. Yeah, that's no, that's a good yeah. point. It's like, let's do a hearty high five. <laughs> We're going to do a crisp high five for you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pull up this chart here. If uh, any of you are like dying to learn more about psych stuff, I actually found um, this, uh, this, program i guess you'd call it um it's the um, psychopharmacologicalinstitute.com and um or psychopharmacologyinstitute.com i was gonna say that first one was long-winded and it's a um and it's a basically a program that's set up as cme and uh, it can be used for um continuing for physicians or um, nurse practitioners or pas or pharmacists and they have a whole library of like really complex psych cases and they have an expert from like Harvard or Yale or something that comes in and like gives, it's usually they're promoting their research that they've done, but, um, they, uh, they'll go through their, their, their research and explain the page for like using patient cases that they've seen on these like really difficult, like kind of like treatment resistant conditions. And they'll go through the psych disorder and they have stuff on OCD. They have stuff on, um, PTSD, general anxiety. I mean, everything you can think of, but it's like a couple hundred bucks probably to get access to it, but they have, just hours and hours and hours and hours One of time videos. Fee. Yeah. Nice. So I like that better than the subscriptions. Yeah. So it's something if, if any of you are just feeling compelled to learn more about psych stuff, um, I, I just got it, so I'm kinda kinda <laughs> kinda digging it. <laughs> and uh so yeah, check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, okay, so one of and the reason I bring that up is because one of the OCD uh, lectures that they give um, a psychiatrist from I think he's over in uh, London um, is mm, given across the, the pond. Yes, given a talk and he is uh, he wrote a paper that was a meta analysis that um, compared uh, SSRI augmented um, strategies. Right. And one of the big ones that he focused on was the atypical antipsychotics. Mm. Um, and showed benefit uh, with risperidone. Um, had uh, also um, the olanzapine, mm-hmm. um, quetiapine, and uh, aripiprazole as well. Um, and then also in uh, Vega was also looked at. Hmm. Um, but the he was he has a whole table like with a breakdown of um, you know the most of these patients that had. Um, a lot of the studies show whether or not they've had previous CBT. They show, you know, how many of them have had at least two different SSRIs, and then they give like the the results based on like the patient questionnaire that we use, kind of like P, it's like the PHQ nine of uh, OCD, right? Um, the Y Y box um, Y B O C S is a uh, it's Yale. Um, what the heck does that stand for? Yale Brigham OCD score or something? I don't know. I have to look that up, but it's a uh, it's a similar questionnaire that would be like to like peach or something to give them a baseline and monitor improvement. Um, but then they have uh, yeah, just a full breakdown, and then he goes through his lecture and actually explains some of the research they did and you know when to augment stuff. But it's pretty interesting. But basically, the the ones that kind of keep in mind though antipsychotics, the usually secondary antipsychotics, mm-hmm. um, the clomipramine low dose, mm-hmm. and then CBD or CBT. Jeez, oh no! <laughs> Here we go. Uh, 
I'm not I'm, CBD. I'm sure there are going to be people who oh, use CBD. No. Well, Mike Corvino recommended I use the CBD. Why, oil why, for why, my... why do you assume they have that <laughs> accent? What are you trying to say? People from the place we live sound like that? All I know is there's CBD running rampant around here. That's for sure. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Every single person sells CBD now. Yes. Except for us, because get, I get asked two, three times a day. You guys sell CBD? All the independent yes, pharmacies sir. are selling it, which yeah. is probably very smart. They're probably making bank. Oh, I'm sure they're making bank. Probably making more off that than the actual medications. Yeah. How regulated is it? We don't know. Hopefully they have some at least trustworthy suppliers, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine. Don't it's... vape it. That's the one thing we can say for sure. Unless you feel like it. Well, that's <laughs> like causing those bad lung issues or so something. So many now. I've been getting yeah. 15 emails a day about that. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, that was a big tangent to say what I meant to say was CBT. Yes. <laughs> Cognitive behavioral therapy, <laughs> not to be confused with the marijuana-like <laughs> substance Extract. that everyone is trying to smoke now or vape or put in their tongue or coffee. I'm pretty sure you can absorb it any sort of way. Probably, you can probably bathe in it. You probably can. Yeah. It's probably great for the skin. I am not going to recommend that. So it is a cure-all. bathe in it. Cole says. <laughs> uh, so another thing, we mentioned Boost Bar. People use Boost Bar too sometimes. Yes. Which I, I tend, like at least with depression, I tend to think of it as a, as a very mild, limited side effect type of augmentation. So if it works for people, woo, nice. And and, and as an augmentation, I think is the important right. thing to mention. Even in depression, we always yes. use it as augment. We don't usually use that mono. First line, yeah. Lithium, they've used as, a, tried mm-hmm. to use augmentation. Um, even T3, um, like uh, uh, hmm. Cytomel. Um, They've thrown that into a few things. They have. I can't remember what it was we talked it, about recently. Star D we brought up because the oh, third yeah. step three yeah, on Star D, one of the uh, um, treatment groups you could put them on was either lithium or cytomel. Yeah. I don't really remember the mechanism, but I do remember talking about that. And then um, <laughs> a, uh, there, was a, there was also a study that tried to use Zofran and um, oh, actually yeah. got negative results instead. Hmm. <laughs> Oops. Um but uh, yeah, lots of different Pretty things. Much anything they can increase serotonin, we're going to try in these studies. Yeah, for sure. Um, even uh, they've even tried uh, psilocoxib and pregabalin. Huh. So generic now. It is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But there's definitely uh, that, and then there's also um, agents looking at uh, affecting glutamate. Um, so mm, things a like excitatory uh, neurotransmitter. Yes. Um, so, you know, drugs like, uh, Mamantine, um, or, uh, they, they've even looked at minocycline, um, because the, the thought I guess is because it can modulate, um, glutamate by enhancing glial, um, glutamate transports. Somehow mm. it's like a very random thing that, again, that I guess, before. I guess in like, um, the doses that we use typically for minocycline, it's not going to do anything to you, but right. I guess if you take it continuously, that wonder how that would, I wonder how the antibiotics resistance, Oh, uh, I'm dies. sure they would be so pumped <laughs> if we <laughs> were just like, giving everyone great. minocycline. This and, is just uh, like erythromycin for gastroparesis. And then also, um, ketamine. There's a huh. small proof of concept crossover study that they did that, uh, looked at single dose IV ketamine. They've, so. been, they've been looking at uh, they've been looking at a few things with ketamine. People are all about the K hole, going down the K hole now. Yeah, <laughs> the K hole. They're like, you know what we need? <laughs> they just everyone's getting ketamine. Apparently, like it's it what's, wor- that, what's that side effect that when they wake up they like go crazy or something? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. I'm pretty sure that's bath salts. <laughs> no, I think no, they no, 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 I think they kidding. wake up and they're really agitated. Yeah, everybody's gonna be like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's that thing when they eat people? <laughs> 
Which is uh, apparently a myth, by the way. Yeah, I'm pretty... Well, if you watch... I don't know if you've watched enough YouTube. No, I have, and there's some crazy things, but apparently, like, that specific one where the guy went wild and, like, ate the people's faces, which has actually happened on a couple of occasions, (laughs) the, um, the... Just a cop was being interviewed right after that, and he was like... Get, it looks like he was on bath salts. But then later on, when they actually ran blood tests, he was not on bath salts. It was just something they said. He just so had a great time. He was just had a break, he like just, a wild, crazy break. He just enjoyed trying to eat people's faces that, off. Apparently, and that was making making dog noises while he was doing it. Interesting. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was really wild. It's fascinating. Did you ever see that guy that went out there and did... It's Florida, he, I think. He uh, did the prank, and he like ran out like and pretended he was on bath salts like that when all that stuff was like... And the oh, news, really? and like way the, back in 2012, yeah, and like uh, the cat pulled a gun on him, so shooting at him. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was on. He ended up being on like on Comedy Central and stuff. He, like, was, jo- he was joking. Like he was joking. He wasn't. Oh he was God. totally fine. He had a camera guy hidden in the car and stuff. And this guy like pulls out a pistol and like Idiot. shot like running away from him. So like it missed him. But I was like, wow, that's do it for the gram. <laughs> there was no gram back then. Either. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they just did it for the tube. Yeah, I did it for YouTube. Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, um. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation uh, about the old uh, illegal drug <laughs> market. A lot of times, <laughs> we'll do a whole, we'll do a whole. We should, on that. we should do an episode on that on illegal stuff. Well, or yeah, you know, gray well, areas. There's stuff. a lot of mis. I think there's a lot of. You've heard of uh, just to give you a teaser, just because it's popped in my head. <laughs> Here we go. Have um, you ever heard of, the, of a crocodile? No. It's supposed to be like this crazy, uh, addictive, um, like I, I want to say it's a similar like opioid, like heroin or something like mm-hmm. that, but it's supposed to be like this crazy addictive one. And the, the pictures that I saw. It's not like that, um, horse, it's not like that elephant tranquilizer stuff. It's different than that. I don't know. But the pictures that I saw is basically it causes like this severe, like necrosis, like gangrene, like fat, necrotizing fasci- fasciitis type thing. If after like just one injection, and I was like, well, that sounds like a really stupid thing to take. <laughs> And then um, what I what I the more I did some research on it just because I was bored one day, and um, <laughs> it was uh, it it was interesting because the it's actually less it's it's actually a pretty weak agent compared to like some of those other ones like heroin and stuff like that. Um, but the problem is is when they make it, they uh, they cut it with whatever they cut it with. I guess leaks like phosphorus. Oh, into geez. the agent so when you inject it you're basically injecting straight phosphorus into in, your and it causes uh phosphorus poisoning and so that's what's causing the curse it's not the actual drug, drug. itself it's because of so how what they're you need to it. do is refine a purer form i probably don't need to do that and at all that and then you know i mean you go no. all, go all breaking bad on everybody oh my gosh no be- and what i'm thinking of is carfentanil so carfentanil is like a uh a, a, fentanyl you do in your car <laughs> Could be that. Uh-oh. Could also be a more potent version of fentanyl. I can't remember how many times more potent, but more potent. That's what we need for and sure. And they would lace, they'll lace fentanyl with it or other opioids with it to get people addicted and then blah, blah, blah. So they use that in horse in elephant tranquilizers, oh, car geez. fentanyl. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was because the, the thing I had read originally about that was actually ended up being like just a scare story that a journalist had gotten in, in touch with. But, it, you know, it's like, oh, this crocodile is this, this horrible drug. And, and it definitely is not something at all that you would want to be injecting. But it was actually the because of um, it wasn't even necessarily the drug, the actual drug. It's the crap that's in the drug that's that they've crazy. cut it with. And which, if you didn't know, Mike did a special segment on live TV about the opioid epidemic. So oh, yeah. Look that up. They were extremely desperate for someone to go on live TV. <laughs> and then I told the host, who I had no idea was some huge famous guy, that his shoes were gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who this guy hey, bro, was. Bro, bro, your, your shoes well, no, he gangster. had dragons. 
Like he had dragons like embroidered on, and they were colorful dragons and they were hilarious and they were so obnoxious that they were awesome. <laughs> and I saw him and I was like, why is he wearing those? And then they were, then I was like, couldn't stop staring at him. And I, he was talking to me, he was a super nice guy. And then I was like, man, your shoes are gangster. And he's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> It's like, I know. I had no idea he had like a so chill on Fox News. Well, he used to. He's, he's or not, used to, yeah. yeah. Not super um, famous anymore, but he yeah, used to be. Used to be. Yeah. So it was funny. Um, but I didn't know who he was. My mom was like, what was he like? I was like, who? <laughs> I thought he was a local guy. <laughs> a local guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, was, he was cool, though. And um, that was fun getting to do live TV. Like, that was pretty weird because you yeah. just see the behind the scenes. It's like clockwork. What, like, when do you think that When was that? That was probably 20 episodes ago now. Yeah, I don't remember. Around that time. I think it was like March I did that. Hmm. Wow. Time I just remember one of the uh, one of the pharmacists that works at the clinic with me said that she was walking in her house and she had the TV on the background. She was, she was, she was like, I was listening to the news and all of a sudden I hear your voice on there. She was like, what? How does this happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny. But I, turned, um, I stopped listening to that Core Console podcast. Yeah. This, like at episode two, how is his voice coming on? I'm like, gosh, who gave him another microphone? <laughs> Uh, all right. What else? Anything else with this stuff? That is all I got. We I got doubt it. anybody else is listening to the rest of what we have anyway. That's fine. So uh, we 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 got a little off topic. Sorry about that. More and, fun uh, to get off topic. It is. We so. should definitely do. I'm I'm fascinated now with doing yeah. like the elite because we can get into some chemistry we'll stuff. Totally do that. We, we should. We probably won't even be able to do all of them in one. We'll probably have to take a couple at a time or something like yeah. the the opioid derivatives for one or something like that. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. See, this is how we have our meetings on yeah. while we're recording. So we don't have time to do them outside of recording. I so. want you guys to feel like you're a part of it. So we waste your time while we have our meetings. Yes. Thank you. For, what we really should do is like the limited amount of research we do beforehand, we should do during the podcast. Well, I guess we kind of do that anyway, don't we? Kind of. I have my laptop in front of me. Well, I was thinking about just like going live and just silence for 10 minutes. And it's like, okay, we got it. Let's go. <laughs> That would be an interesting strategy. <laughs> I don't think it's going to pay off. I think we would, our listener base would boom. <laughs> That's why I'm not in charge of big picture stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well, actually, it's not a bad idea. Because what if what if we did that and it just works amazingly? Well, I, and you know, if it was us having a topic discussion, that'd be one thing. But yeah. if it was complete silence, I don't know. We'll People see. would be like, I don't know. The silence is actually kind of soothing. <laughs> Versus listening to them blab on about stuff they don't know what they're talking right. about. Uh, anyways, cool. Um, well, I guess that wraps it up then. But thank got. you guys so much for listening. Um, we. Uh, I don't think we said this in the last episode, but um, our big goal this year was to have a hundred thousand like unique downloads for the year, starting in January, and we hit that um, early last month. Last month, so hundred thousand unique downloads. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've said it a hundred times. I can't believe. Let's even... get. Let's go for two hundred thousand before January. Sure. No, we're not gonna do that. But. Why? Yes, what? we'll set, new, we'll set new goals. We'll, we'll set get 150, 150 goals. by January for there sure. Go, for sure. And uh, Cole's too negative to have good goals. <laughs> and um, But no, I'm shocked that like even three people listen. So thank you guys so much. Maybe and, it's uh, two people that just down... Well, it's unique. Yeah, it's so, unique. You have to go uh, to different things every time. So Cole... Maybe they're very... Stop being diligent. so negative. <laughs> okay. Unless they have a lot of Apple devices. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you guys so much. If you do like the podcast, please go on iTunes, leave us a review um, or a rating. That helps us out a lot. And uh, if you have any questions, the emails are below in the notes. And if uh, you have any, you know, comments or anything like that as well that you want to put on social media, by all means, um, tag us on there. And um, we will catch you guys next time. See ya.